Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you're a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all of your friends and family. And if you'd like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find us on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Hello, it's so good to have you back here on Let This Mind Be In You. Of course, uh, my name is Brother Michael D'Angelo, and tonight we're going to be continuing back in the book of 1 John. We'll be looking at 1 John chapter 2, and uh, we'll go through about half of the, of the chapter, and we'll be looking at um, a, a couple different things, but mostly um, what John says, and when he says it even, uh, so important that he says it twice, he says, ye have overcome the wicked one, and we can have that true victory. So join me now on Let This Mind Be In You in First John chapter 2. And hello and welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here with you once again on another Thursday. And um, I'm so um, thankful that uh, you've made time out of your day to um, watch this video or listen to the audio version uh, if you're listening on one of the podcast platforms. Uh, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I just had a, a brother recently just uh, reach out to me and um, asked a couple questions and and sent some very interesting things my way. So, uh, Brother Andrew, uh, looking at you, I did read it. And um, if you're watching this, I'm just studying through it. And uh, we'll maybe have to set up a time that where we can... Um, maybe talk face-to-face over Skype or something like that. We can discuss it in depth. Um, so very interesting, and um, I'm going over it thoroughly, uh, some of the things you sent me. So I appreciate that. Um, also, um, if you're listening for the first time or you just kind of happen to stumble across this this channel, um, you can also find me, uh, like I mentioned earlier, on on a lot of the audio uh, podcast-type platforms, uh, Podbean, um, Spotify. You can find me all over the place. Most of the time, all you need to do, if you have a favorite platform that you like to listen to, um, uh, Bible reading or podcasts like that, uh, you can look me up at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries podcast. If you search for that, and I should be on there. And if you have a favorite podcast platform that you don't find me on, you uh, go ahead and write to that email address and let me know. And that way I can uh, attempt to at least try to get it on there if at all possible. Um, by way of a little bit of review, last time we started in the book of first John. And so we went through chapter one, really discussing the, the principle that, you know, you don't, you can't live a sinless perfection, uh, here in this, in this life. Um, but because of who's in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we know that because he is righteous, we have that hope of uh, everlasting life and eternal life and so forth and so on. We discuss a lot of that. Uh, we also discuss the fact that you cannot lose your salvation. Um, I think one of the things that are, that if I had to sum it all up, that um, is a really good theme of First John. Uh, you know, this is not spelled out, I don't believe, in First John anywhere. Um, this is just my thoughts on this, is that the theme of First John is John basically saying, are you in the faith? Here is what the Spirit is, in, uh, is inspiring me to write down. This is through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
are you in the faith? And he gives plenty of examples, um, light, dark, you know, darkness cannot exist where light is. It's, it's impossible. Uh, for example, I have a, a, a soft light that's right above my camera and it's a little bit darker in here, but as soon as I turn that on, it goes away. And that's the example. So he is the light, as First uh, John says. So if the light is in you, there is no darkness at all because he is light. Doesn't make the, your flesh, though, sinlessly perfect. You know, Paul struggled with sin. He said, you know, uh, oh, wretched man that I am. Uh, there's all different things that are throughout the Bible that aren't a contradiction, but they expressly say, look, in this flesh, you are going to struggle. The problem becomes if you're not getting chastised, you're not experiencing any of that stuff, and you can just live whatever type of life you want to and not suffer any sort of chastisement. Because the Bible says, uh, says who the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. In fact, Hebrews 12, um, I think it's in verse 8. Let's see. I looked it up. Hebrews 12 and verse 8. Yes. Where it talks about... Um, it, if you're not experiencing that, uh, if you're not under the chastisement, then you are bastards and not sons. And that's a strong word, but essentially meaning that you're none of his. You're, you're not a child of God. And uh, so Brother Jonas, who uh, recommended that I, I do a study on First John, I really appreciate it, Brother. I, I'm thankful that uh, you did. And uh, I pray that this has been a help. As we go through the Word of God, read it in context. It's not saying you can be sinlessly perfect or that you can somehow lose your salvation. It's really asking, are you in the faith? Not to drive doubts in your heart, but if you're living a certain way and you've got to ask yourself the question, you got to ask that you really have to ask yourself the question, was I ever in the faith? Was, did I ever come to that moment? And if you can honestly answer that and say, yes, convicted of my sins, the Holy Spirit convicted me of a need for a savior and I came to the end of myself, and I called upon the name of the Lord. Simply saying, I know that's a controversial statement, but simply saying, I surrender. If you've ever come to that moment, he did the work. He did it all. He paid the price. His blood is sufficient for all the sins of the world. We're going to look at that uh, uh, today. If, that, if you ever came to that moment, he did the work. And not only that, he's the first fruits of the resurrection, where even if you die in this flesh, you'll be resurrected again. You won't truly ever die. There is what's called the second death, and you don't want to experience that. God has provided a way of escape, and that way of escape is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, and we read it last time in John three sixteen. That is the point. And so as we go through John, that your joy may be full. That was the last, uh, you know, kind of the, the word that I wanted to bring out for the title, that your joy may be full. Think on those things. So let's get back into 1 John. Uh, again, that's a little bit of an introduction. And we're in chapter 2. So open up your King James Bible to 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to turn to a few different places. Um, but majority of the time, I just want to read this in context. And remember what he had already said in 1 John 1. It's important to realize and to remember all the time that there's not like a John, you know, uh, wrote a chapter and then he cut it off right there at the chapter break and then took a couple years off and wrote another chapter or a couple of weeks or this. He wrote a letter. 
And he's writing a very heartfelt letter to a body of believers saying the things that God has laid on his heart through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's a letter. So make sure you're reading it and such. I know we break it up into chapters and sometimes two or three sections for a chapter or something like that if it's longer. But read it as a letter. Read it as context. Who's it to? What's it for? You know, the five questions, who, what, when, where, why, you know, all these different things that you have to ask yourself. Study the word of God. All right. My little children, verse number one, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. Now, right away, it says, Brother Mike, you just said that we can't live a sinlessly perfect life. And that's true. But you can live a sanctified life if you remember these things that John had just talked about. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go back through uh, chapter one or the first part of the letter, but he talks about these things. Remember who you are. Put on the helmet of salvation, Paul says. These different things just to remember who you are. If you are in the faith, it's time to start acting like it. Okay? My little children, look at the term of endearment. These things write I unto you that you, that you sin not. John knows perfectly well that people still sin, still capable. We still are in this wretched flesh that has not been redeemed yet. We've, we've discussed that many times here on this channel. And if any, see, this is the, the, the part. If you just stop there, you're like, hmm, well, man, maybe it is per You can be sinlessly perfect. It keeps going. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, remember whose righteousness it is. And remember, the sentence doesn't even stop here. But I just want to real quick, remember whose righteousness it is that cleanses you from all sin. If we confess our sins, this is from verse 9 in chapter 1. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You didn't just get a little part of, of, of Jesus. You didn't just get a little bit of it. You got the whole package, the whole deal. It's, it's, it's really a strange thing to say that, well, you know, his, you know his, his sacrifice, his blood that covered our sins, and it says it abolished it, he abolished death. He was the propitiation, as we're about to see here in a little bit, meaning he was the full payment. It seems a little strange to say that, no, not quite. I still got to, I got to, I got to keep doing, I got to keep doing. You haven't come to the end of yourself. I caution you against that kind of thinking and ask yourself, are you in the faith? Were you trusting anything else? Were you still holding on to your pride? Remember, pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now look at the rest of the, uh, of the, of the thought, verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins, plural, of the whole world. When Christ died, he, of course, died for me and you and people individually. There's an old song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That is true to a degree. But also remember the fact that he died for the sins, plural, of the entire world. That means anybody that tries to tell you there's limited atonement, okay, it's the L in TULIP, of, uh, of that type of thinking that there's some sort of limited, it's limited to just a certain select few. Beware. Be very wary of that. 
I'm trying to look up here in the, um, just give me a second here. Those listening on the podcast, I'm not, uh, it's not dead air. That's why I keep kind of rambling on. Um, I'm looking up propitiation in the Webster's 1828. And let's look it up here. When we look it up, we're going to, we're going to put in propitiation. I should have had this already. Um, I should have already had this pulled up. I apologize for that. But like I told you, sometimes I, I think of something um, just right off the top of my head and I wasn't prepared and these are live, you know, if live for me. I don't, I don't sit there and go back. All right. Um, propitiation. The act of appeasing wrath and conciliating the favor of an offended person. The act of making propitious. It says here, the second uh, definition in, uh, in theology, the atonement or atoning sacrifice offered to God to assuage his wrath and render him propitious to sinners. Christ is the propitiation for the sins of men. And if you look here, uh, turn over to Romans 3. Isn't that such a great thought? See, that's why we're not subject to wrath. The body of Christ the, the church, the believers, the called out assembly of believers, the church, the body of Christ, the church of the living God is not subject to wrath, as the Bible says. Why? Because the wrath has already been taken care of. The propitiation, the appeasing, as, the, as this dictionary says here, of the wrath was taken care of. Romans 3 and verse number 25 says, Whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission, not the covering, not the partial shading of, but it says the remission, it's gone, of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. And not only that are past, but keep going. Remember, you have a timeline. God does not. To God, everything's in the past. It's really hard to really even think about that, I mean, without getting your brains all scrambled. But think about it just for a second. God is not subject to time. He created time. Therefore, he's not subject to the laws of time. When they say God exists, you say God exists? Yes, God exists. Well, right now, yes. Well, how about a thousand years ago? As of right now, yes, he's still there. It's, it's an, an uncomprehendable thing to us. But when it says that our past, it means our past, our present, our future. It doesn't matter. He died for the sins, plural, every one of them, of the world. That's in Romans 3.25. And uh, let's turn to one more. Well, we'll wait on that. All right, so just think about that. For the whole entire world, Yes, you were on his mind. You know, it's a great um, lyric to a song. But he died for the sins of the whole world. Amazing. Amen and amen. And hereby, because of this fact, and hereby, verse 3, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, that's really hard for you. somebody to just take that out of context and be like, well, see, if we keep the commandments, that, there it is right there. See, I proved it. 
how do you have that righteousness in the first place? He took care of all your sins. We just showed that. So we know it to be the case. Because you violated the law, you had no chance, and he took your place. He assuaged or uh, took away the wrath that was appointed to you because you put your faith through faith. There's that remission, the shedding of blood, remission of sins, all these themes through the entire um, Bible, essentially. Even in the Old Testament. That blood of those bulls and goats, as Hebrews says, and I believe in other places, couldn't do anything about your sins. That's why people didn't go to heaven when they died. They weren't in the presence of God. They were in paradise. Abraham's bosom called a myriad of other things. But when he died, he changed it all. He, the remission of your sins. If we keep his commandments, the law is the schoolmaster that says we can't keep the commandments. So once again, who is this that kept all the commandments? Who is this that fulfilled the entirety of the law? Jesus Christ, Christ in you. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. See, if you have a head knowledge, yeah, I know Jesus. I know him. In Galatians, it says, but rather, that's in Galatians, that he knows you. I'm paraphrasing. It's not that you know him, it's that he knows you. When he sees you, does he see the sacrifice? Jesus. When he sees you, does he see you or your righteousness, which are filthy rags, or does he see Christ's righteousness? That is the, that is the test. If he sees Christ's righteousness, he knows you. It doesn't matter if you know him, because it says here, and keepeth not his commandments. You can't keep the commandments. We already know this. Is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I wonder what the truth is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Keep reading. Verse 5, but whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He is in us, therefore we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Let this mind be in you. That's how you ought to be. Now, are we always? Of course not, folks. We have the struggles of the flesh. Of course, I'm not excusing that. But it should drive you to the realization that when you fail, you're bringing yourself back under the bondage again in your own mind, as Galatians talks about. Don't bring yourself under bondage again. Put back on that helmet of salvation. Remember who you are. Remember what Jesus did for you. And get back into fellowship with him. Now, there's no such thing as a sin account. It's been settled the old uh, hymn says long ago, the old account was settled long ago, it's, taken, it's taken care of, but it's here. You need to ask that forgiveness. He's already forgiven you, but it brings you back into remembrance of who you are. And the fellowship can then be had again. You see how that works? 
I'm not trying to keep the balance of my life, you know, make sure I do more good works than bad works and so forth. No, the bad has been abolished. If you have some sort of notion that you're going to stand before Christ one day and you're going to have some sort of scale of, of evil deeds and good deeds, and that's somehow going to get you into heaven, that's not true in any shape or fashion or form. But what you do for Christ will be the gold, silver, and precious stones if it's done in his will, his spirit. If it's done in your spirit, it's wood, hay, and stubble. And you'll suffer loss, the Bible says. Not loss of salvation, but what does it say? Loss of reward. The reward is not the fact that you get all this gold and silver and precious stones. Come on. We cast it back at his feet. What what of it that we have anything to do with? We surrender our will, get out of the way, let Christ work in us, let us walk as he walked, let this mind be in you. Even as he walked in verse 6, it says, that's the Christian life. Now, if you can continually walk in this world, as we're going we're gonna to read some more now, if you can continually do that and not be bothered, and I don't really think it's that big of a deal, think all this stuff, I urge you, I caution you to just really consider what the Word of God says here. Are you in the faith? Are you? I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation, but I'm trying to warn you through the Word of God as an ambassador, just giving it to you, make sure. Brethren, verse 7, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past. Hmm. And the true light now shineth. Just like I gave the example, that light came on over top of my camera. It was a little bit dark in here, even though it's still daylight outside. A little bit dark, but as soon as I turn that light on, oof, you see what you see. Same thing. Verse 9 says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. If you can go through this life with hating your brother and, again, hating people that um, you can see and interact with, how can you even say that you love God? Now, are there moments? Sure. But this is a continual walk. This is a lifestyle of hating, hate, hate, hate all the time. It says here, is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth. I'm sorry, I skipped number 10, or verse number 10. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him, because he lighteth our path. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's a light unto my path. But, um, you know, these, these, the word of God that you've hidden in your heart, all these different things, you don't stumble through life because you're letting him lead. So there's no stumbling. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now, even in this flesh, you let hate start coming up. 
It'll blind you to a lot of things and you'll stumble about and you can get yourself in a lot of trouble until you remember who you are. Like, oh, I'm getting in the way here. Oh, sorry. Lord, forgive me, please. You just, okay, all right, wait. And start heading down the path with the light leading the way and you're not going to stumble. But if you can live your life continually in that darkness state, as I mentioned before, and not have any kind of, well, whatever, I hate in my heart, I hate this, I hate you, I hate this, the group of individuals over here, I hate this, I hate, 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 hate. I'm sorry. The Bible says here clearly that darkness has blinded his eyes, is in darkness and walketh in darkness. Remember the walk is your life, your lifestyle. It doesn't always mean like the literal walking down a path. Now, it's a good analogy, you know, as we just talked about, but it is talking about your life. Turn over to John chapter 12 and verse number 40. John chapter 12 and verse 40. Let's look at something similar here. We're going to look up two passages of scriptures and then we're going to end back up here in 1 John. But uh, John chapter 12, verse number 40. It says here, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Now, if you read down through this, the, the story or this account here, you'll understand the context of here. But I just wanted to read this part here. And harden their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Again, Jesus is making the case that he's God here. Um, that's another, another subject and we'll, we can talk about that and we do all the time. But the point is, is that God brings about that. I'm reminded of Romans one, where he talks about God, um, talks about turns them over to a reprobate mind. Uh, there's a hardening of your heart that can keep going and keep going and stumbling through and in darkness and everything like that. And and you hear somebody like me or somebody else is just giving you the word of God saying, it, before it's too late, before it's too, too late, you need to come to the light. For, you know, as the Bible says, he is the truth. Come to the end of yourself. You can't do anything good enough. You're not, you're stumbling your way through life. All this hate, all of these things. He eventually hardens hearts. And oh man, what a, what a just frightful place to be. He turns them over to a reprobate mind. I pray that you don't get your heart hardened. As you seek more light, you'll get deliver more to you. Keep reading the word of God. Keep listening to Bible-believing people just say, here, here's the word, thus saith the Lord. Here it is. Now turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse number four, we'll start in verse number four. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse four says in whom the God of this world, see as God of the universe, this is a little G God turns you over to reprobate mind. This is allowing this to happen. Look at this in whom the God little G of this world hath blinded the minds of them, which believe not lest the light of of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Don't get to that point. 
quit rejecting the light. Keep reading the word of God. Let the, let, let the spirit work on you. Soften yourself. Come to the end of yourself. Drop that pride before it's eternally too late. And the last, and the last one, as it talked about how, you know, you know, you live this life of hate, Christ is in you. Just think about the fact that if you can see somebody and hate them, how can you say you love God? And that's really, it comes out here. We'll get to this eventually um, in first John four, but if you turn over a few pages, the first John chapter four and verse number 20, it says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? It's a very interesting question. I see so many times that people like, oh, I don't have hate in my heart, but yet they show it out. It just, it's in their conversation, the walk, the hate, the constant hate and, and, and vitriol. And it's like, wow, you say that you love God who you can't see, but yet you hate this person over here or this group of individuals. You really do have hate for them. And you say you love God. The Bible is expressly against that. I mean, it's, it's impossible. You can't sit there and live your entire life like this and think that you are in Christ or he is in you. Now you can suppress, I guess you can live in such total, like, but you know, as far away as you can, I'm sure that could be a possibility, but I worry about that. I really do. Because Take it from someone who has lived under the chastening for many years. There's a finite amount of time, and I just keep thinking to myself, I, 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 hmm, this is so just, it gets me every time I think about it. But when I see somebody that is in despair or, or in a certain situation or a certain thing, their life is falling apart, I keep, I look at them and I don't have this sort of like, well, good. I think, but for the grace of God, if God was not long suffering with me, I could be right there or, or, or dead. He could have completely recalled me, you know, taken me out of this life. He's not going to let his name be, you know, run through the mud by his children. He's going to chasten. And sometimes that's the ultimate chastening. And I always think about that. I've been chasing, got a lot of trouble and different things that have happened in my life, and I think about the fact that, but for the grace of God, I could be right there. And it's a, it's a sobering thought. But if you don't have any of that, are you in the faith? I'm just asking. I, I'm pleading with you. Don't sit there and say, well, I've been um, a member of this church, quote unquote, for for many, many years. And I, I, you know, I, I faithfully go there and I do this and I do that. And it's like, I, 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 but you leave and you have no, nothing shows of the light that you say that you claim that's in you. In fact, you hate on people you hate and you get, you're just a, just the vitriol that's, that comes out of you. I worry about you. Now, if this is speaking to you, it's not because I know anything in particular. I don't know who's watching this. I never do. Sometimes in the live streams, you know, people will 
will will type in that, hey, I'm watching, hello, and God bless you, brother, and all this kind of stuff, and then I know who it is. But I don't know who's watching this right now, 30-something minutes into this video. I don't think we're even going to get through all of 1 John 2 tonight, but and that's okay. But I really want to drive that point home. This has nothing to do with living a sinlessly perfect life or living good enough to where you can get to the point where you can finally get saved. It's nothing to the uh, 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 to that at all or that you can lose your salvation and so forth and so on. You can lose the joy of your salvation. Remember, he wrote this, that your joy may be full. But as we get through this, oh, by the way, again, I have to stress, that's not some sort of limited atonement. <laughs> Died for the sins of the whole world. Anybody, all have come, uh, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But he's not willing that any should perish, but that all, all means all, come to him. And that's what we're trying to talk about tonight. I want to go for a little bit longer here. And again, like I said, if we have to get into the uh, last half of the chapter next time, that's fine. But don't be blinded. Don't live that life so many years and years and years of just being blinded and hate and, and the sin. Don't, don't live your life like that. God has made a way of escape. The light so that you will have no stumbling is available. And it's free. Mercy, there was grace, and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There, my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. You know, I had mentioned last time that I'm wanting to take my dad for his 65th uh, birthday here in a few years. I'm wanting to take him to Jerusalem, and I want to take him to Israel, and we'd, you know, Lord willing, you know, if we're still here and it's available, and we're going to go. And when I look, there's a lot of controversy of which is actually Golgotha Hill or whatever. But the fact that I know just being there, I don't have to go there to know this, by the way, but just being there and knowing the, the fact that the creator God humbled himself and went to Calvary for you and me and for the sins of the entire world. It's going to be, it's going to be powerful. It's powerful to me. It's just sitting here in, in Rota, Spain right now. It's not going to be any more real to me, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. The fact that I'm going to have my earthly father here with me, and the, but my heavenly father that died for me. Hmm. It's going to be, it's going to be powerful. If, but you know, if we're not here, that's way better <laughs> than spending a whole bunch of money and, and going over there. Uh, even though I, I, I look forward to it, you know, with my dad, but just think about Calvary and the grace that was free. It's, it's, it's given freely. He, and again, nobody put Jesus Christ on the cross. He went willingly. He says as a lamb to the slaughter. Verse number 12, he says, I write unto you, little children, he uses that term again, because your sins are forgiven, you, 
for his name's sake. Just as if, the old term goes, justified. Just as if you've never sinned or ever will sin again. Just as if, because of who took your place. For his name's sake. A name above all names. Worthy of all praise. Boy. Verse number 13. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Great, remember the verse, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Just remember that. Because ye have known the Father. Known the Father, huh? The uh, God and Father of you all. Uh, what's that verse? It just popped in my head. I believe it's Ephesians. Yes, Ephesians chapter 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all. And not only that, I added that portion, not only that, and in you all. Known the Father. A lot of these people here saw, when he says, I and the Father are one, they saw Jesus Christ. Maybe right here that John's writing to, maybe they did. The older men that he's writing to, maybe that's who the fathers he's talking about. It could be. Known the Father. Wow. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Now, who is that? I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We willingly, Christian, we willingly, uh, Church of the Living God, we willingly um, allow victories to happen over us that need not happen. That's very, that's very uh, sobering of a thought as well. You know, I can go, if I just surrender my will and follow his will, I, can, I, I don't have to fall. I don't have to have uh, the victory gained over me because I can be strong. His strength. And the word of God abideth in you. Remember, this has got to abide in you. It's got to live in you. It's got to be real to you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Now, if you read that, and when you read it, you look at the sentence structure, ye have overcome the wicked one. It's already happened. <laughs> it's past tense. Ye have. You, it doesn't say you are overcoming the wicked one. Ye have. Now, is it you, you think? Let's, let's be real. This entirety of, this, of this, uh, this letter so far, John's writing here, do you think it's you that, made, that had the victory? No, but it's Christ in you. You've, ha you've had the victory. It's done. 
Jesus Christ said, it is finished. He just didn't mean his work on the cross and that's, that's it. You know, like uh, I can just die now and this is good. It's, it's for all eternity. It's done. It's taken care of. It's finished. Over. Overcome the wicked one. The Bible talks about, I believe it's in Colossians, but he shows, makes a show openly of the, of death and the grave came out of the grave too. That didn't even have any power over him. Remember the keys, I guess you would say to the, uh, this earthly kingdom, so to speak, were turned over temporarily to the God of this world that blinding people left and right. Couldn't hold them. Couldn't hold Jesus in the grave. And he said, I have the power to lay my life down. Again, paraphrasing. I have the power to raise it back up. And made a show of it, them openly. Death and hell made a show of them. But when he rose from the dead, three days and three nights later, up from the grave, he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes. It was never even a fair fight. Great is the victory. Mm. I'll finish off here in uh, verse 15. I think it would be a good one to think about. To re- just remind ourselves, are you in the faith? Not the doubt, but that your joy may be full. Love not the world, verse 15. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love not be seduced by, not like, not fall occasionally. It says love. That's a full embrace of it. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, there's moments where you can have that, that lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, you know, the pride of life. You know, you're, you, you get drugged away. You, you, you don't have this mind in you and you fall and you, you, you chase after these things. The love of the, that's not having the love of the father at that moment, but he can't deny himself. He's still there. But if you can love the world and not be bothered and not have any kind of that problem, the love of the father may not be in you. It says the love of the father is not in him. Be very careful. We're going to wrap it up there, but I just want to just once again tell you, not in any shape or form or fashion trying to make you, quote unquote, doubt your salvation. But I want you to just understand what the word of God is saying here. First and foremost, Christ's blood is sufficient for the sins of the entire world. There is no such thing as limited. No limited atonement here. No, you can't find it. Nowhere. He died for all. All the sins. All is a very easy Greek word to know. Okay, those guys that want to go to the Greek. All means all. Secondly, you can't lose your salvation. You can lose your joy of it. Sure can. But you can't lose it because it's not yours. It's his righteousness. And remember, he's already taken the price. He's already... He's the propitiation. He already took the wrath. You're not subject to that. And we can talk more about that at some other time, but we're not subject to this wrath that's to come. You know, um, you know, some people want to talk about the timing of when we're going to be caught up. I don't necessarily get wrapped too much around that. 
you know, I, I do have what I believe the Bible teaches on the matter. However, I know one thing is assured. The wrath that is to come, not subject to it in one shape, fashion, or form. And the wrath is the end of Christ, which we'll get to next time. And I'll, I'll show you next time as a little bit of a teaser. You can read ahead. You know, it's, you can take your Bible out, read ahead. I encourage you to do so. But uh, the Antichrist, the system, everything has always been in place. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next time. Okay, so thank you for again for joining me and let this mind be in you. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo. Thank you for watching this video. Thank you for listening to this podcast if you're, uh, you're listening on, on one of the podcasts. And um, I just want to just encourage you, Christian, where's your joy at? Your joy should be full. Your walk should be walking like him. This mind should be in you. Those times that you don't, get it taken care of right away. Don't, let, don't be brought back into the bondage of your own mind by living in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, Paul says. And that's it. All right. Love you in the Lord. Thank you again for watching. And uh, would you tell some of your friends about this? Would you just say, hey, um, you should check out Brother Mike uh, on Let This Mind Be In You. Um, and that way, maybe it would be a good way to everybody will just like, well, okay, I'll watch that. Or I'll, listen, I'll take a chance and I'll listen to that, that video. I, okay, fine. So share the video, share the, uh, share the page, share the, um, the platform, which or whatever you're listening or watching on. And just preach the word. Be about the word. Be ambassadors. Every single day. Walk in the light. Have this word in your heart. So you can be strong in the Lord. All right. God bless you. Good night. And uh, God bless.